and welcome to Back the Girls Pod episode nine. My name is Gemma Hallett and I'm a non-professional rugby player. I'm with Laurie Harries and she's a non-professional rugby player. And how are you feeling today, Laurie Harries, on the breaking news of professional rugby in Wales? I'm genuinely very, very excited to see where this all goes. Um, but more so with the news of the um, pathway set up in uh, talks about it as well with the 20s, 18s and all that. So very excited for the girls getting these contracts, but looks like there's more to come, doesn't it? I am buzzing. I have been buzzing all day with this news. I'm so excited. Listeners, just so you know, Philippa wasn't available for this chat. So with the magic of editing, we're going to add her in at a later time during the pod. So you will get to hear from the lovely Philippa, but not right now because it's all about me and Laurie. As it should be. As it should be. As it should be. Uh, Lose, I'm so with you because ah, oh, this has been such a long time coming. For some people, it's only been since like the letter and the, what was that thing we signed? Petition. Yes. There we go. Me? You? <laughs> yeah. When was that? When? Gosh. My, summer. Yeah. Summer. Let's say summer. But for us, who's been in it, this has been like 10 years of decimation before we started to rebuild. So it's been such a long time coming. I mean, you were in like the prop, the last of the under 20s proper setup, and you've just turned 30. So this is a long time coming. And you, you're Bob. Oh, thank on. you very much. I'm actually 31. Uh, yeah. I'll, yeah. Take, I'll take 30 any day. Such a long time coming. I'm just. I'm just beyond thrilled today and I've, I've got to say like thank you to every single person that has helped bang the drum, that signed the letter, that signed the proposal, that kept asking questions, that you know just was part of this kind of ask of the WRU to do better because you know without that noise I really don't think we'd be here and not so much about the contracts but what's coming with it. Yeah, and um, I've been following everyone's reaction on social media, so um, up it went with the names of the contracts. And it's outstanding that people still, you know, weren't aware that the girls weren't paid, that it wasn't their job to be playing. So it's just giving that insight into, you know, to everyone who is following on social media that this is a huge move now for women's rugby. Yeah. And fair play to Nigel Walker for action, right? Because we've heard so much talk and we always said that, all right, we'll, we'll believe it when we see it. And we're seeing it. It's like this follow through. This is... I know, I, I did embarrass myself in work earlier because as soon as I saw it pop up, I was like, yes, Nigel, <laughs> like that. <laughs> I did a little bit. So all my colleagues were like, are you quite all right? But yeah, <laughs> it's just massive because they what's going on now because I do speak about it in work and uh well they were just as chuffed as I was yeah so I'm just gonna find out now how I get myself back in the squad <laughs> yeah I know we're all thinking of making a comeback I bought rugby boots but uh yeah <laughs> oh no not for me no not no for me. I'll just be a fangirl yeah so thrilled and uh we've got a great episode packed for everybody uh very shortly uh we'll be bringing in Louise Dalglish who's part of the Japanese setup who were playing on the weekend. And later, Phil will be having a chat with Shuan, Welsh captain. So it's all action-packed. Before we bring our guests in, Lo, how's your week been? It's actually been quite positive. It's a lot of personal things going on. So we had our 20-week scan. 
still keeping it a surprise. So we'll have either a little boy or girl joining us in March. No, so this is the first time you've mentioned excited. it on the pod. I know, I know. We've always kept it off the pod, but uh, you know me, I'm quite a private person. <laughs> we'll just tell 13 no, listeners that you're yeah. gonna be a mama. And you know, before anyone gets excited, it's not me, Karin. I have been um I think I started my Christmas diet back in June, so I have packed on a bit of pounds, but it's not me before anyone congratulates me specifically, because I do get quite upset. It's not you, you were baby weight. <laughs> no, it's just the Reese's. <laughs> Marty's and that, isn't it? But yeah, and we've had a provisional moving out date of our house. Oh, it's all happening. Moving house and expecting baby. Brilliant news, isn't it? Oh, lovely. Oh, such a grown up. I know. What's happened to me? <laughs> I've been playing some tennis. So yeah, let's, I don't know if we've... Have we, had to catch up since our invitation down west. No, this is it. Because we this went is it. fortnightly. So can we? I just make an announcement to all those at uh, Pembroke Panthers? I was more than happy to join you down there, but I was <laughs> mugged off because Gemma had a tennis match. That, that was tennis was match, Gemma? not test match. Tennis. Yeah, it was unfortunate that they clashed with, you know, the league being back on and you know if i don't move then i'm gonna get really fat in retirement so i've got to play something and it's tennis or bowls <laughs> i'm going down to dart is it minimal movement are you chasing sheep twice a week cows no yeah. cows yeah, yeah good thing yeah. to me <laughs> <laughs> so you had a tennis match how did it I've go played quite a bit of tennis this week yeah you know just getting the racket warmed up for the winter league, uh, it didn't go very well. I'm not very good at the whole over the net and in. There's a bit of a technique mm-hmm. to that, you know. But, right, because you have you. I mean, your wingspan is quite large. Oh, my whoosh is amazing. The sound it makes, incredible. But I have no control. But it's just net. <laughs> oh, actually, it's like the field next door. No, once we we have gone through um, a stage now where we literally don't know any of the girls that play anymore. Mm. It would be exciting if we had our when we get all the girls back together. We should just come watch you play tennis instead. (laughs) I'm all for that. They do pins and stuff. You know, I'm not sure if you like to swig pints out of horns. (laughs) I'm sure Phil can swig the prosecco though. Oh, God. Yeah, she yeah. sent a little uh, picture in the week, didn't she, when she was abroad? Oh, come on. Like, it's all the time. Campaign. I'm there typing up minutes of some meeting, another one in the work, and she's sending out champagne flutes. Yeah, so should we make up a story about where she is tonight? Because I have no idea, so our listeners are busting well, to know. To some concert. I have no idea who this concert is. Oh, yeah. I didn't recognise the or name. Or rather, where it is. And I wish I could remember who it is now because I think it will just age Philippa that even more. So I need to throw her under the bus would be superb, but I just can't remember the name. So really old say, uh, oh, she's gone to a mosh pit. So Philippa right now is head banging, fingers in the air in a mosh pit somewhere. <laughs> Let's go with that one. <laughs> well, it makes a change from the bed night story reading, doesn't it? So. The bed night story reading, yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> we read it. Christ. Yes. Yeah, so, um, did, was there any games this week? It wasn't, was there? We're into international kind of window now. So we got to watch England and New Zealand on the weekend. Did you watch it? I did watch it. I did put my uh, prediction up quite early. I did think England were going to get the win. Yeah. I predicted 27-15, but, well, they blew that out the park, didn't they? Oh, I said it'd be a 12-pointer. That's a 12-pointer. 27-15. Uh, no, not quite. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Look at us looking at each other. We can't do maths. Yeah. I no, it is. I'm confident that's 12 points. <laughs> I said it'd be a 12-pointer. England will win by 12. But, uh, yeah, we didn't see that coming then. I just couldn't believe how slow New Zealand were. I know they've not played for two years, but it just felt, look, disjointed from my point of view anyway. It did. And there's such a jump and a hell of a leap from club rugby to the speed of international rugby. And you could just see that New Zealand hadn't quite got their lungs into the game. And, you know, they played really narrow as well, didn't they? They did. I don't think their set piece, you know, clicked. They missed, I think, at one stage, six lineouts on the bounce. Mm. I do, I think this, because they play again uh, this weekend. Yeah. Reverse fixture. So I think it's going to be a different story. I still think England will come out again and win. Yeah. But I think New Zealand will put on a different performance. And I'm hoping um, Kendra, uh, what's her name, the scrum half? Coxage. Yeah, you know, she has a wealth of experience, doesn't she? I just hope she speeds it up a bit because I thought she killed the game at times. Mm. Just waiting with the ball at the base of the rock and just knocking it out because the length in particular was fantastic. Ah, oh, what a unit. I know, and for such, you know, she's well, tiny, wasn't she? But she's like you, but like even faster and more powerful. Mm. I'm, well, I'm not sure about the fast thing, but <laughs> no, I'll take equally as fast. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, she was like a pocket rocket. I couldn't believe how powerful she was. Such a small, mm. and from a standing start on a few occasions as well, wasn't it? Just power. Yeah, but so, credit where credit's due. England were just on form, and it's good. nice to see different parts. Um, uh, Amber Reed pop. Uh, was it Amber Reed? Late omission from the team with injuries. Um, But yeah, I thought they all played particularly well. Yeah, such such a well-drilled team. No matter who steps in, they can all perform. And how good was the scrums? (laughs) You've got to to say something about scrums. It was just amazing. I hope Wales put them on the performance like that now. I miss the days where the nine could put the ball in the middle of the scrum. <laughs> Are we not even just looking at that anymore? No, the referees just aren't picking up. I've yes. noticed that with men's as well. Yes. You just touched on you hope Wales can do something on the scrum. We will go into a lot more detail in preparation for the Wales game shortly. But just before that, um, now we've turned towards the Wales game, just for all the former players that are listening, because I know there's at least two or three that tune in to listen to what we got to say. <laughs> um, we are having a reunion after each game in the clubhouse bar 
um, to say hi to everybody because we've all been part of something and we want to make sure those relationships continue. So straight after the game in the clubhouse bar and anybody who wants to go on partying after that can do so. But we know some of them are a little bit older now and have or a little bit more mature now is probably the best of it. And our families and that to go home too. But those that don't and can continue drinking, um, we're going out after the game. So this is a shout out. They're all having emails and messages, but this is a shout out to anybody we don't quite hit. This is the convincer, right? Coming out of the air. Come on. <laughs> I loved how you said you changed it from older to mature. But looking at the pool of girls that will be interested in this, definitely just older, not mature. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know exactly who's up out of the old girls who's up for a beer after the game. 100%. Well, we've already seen Dudgy's keen for it. Dudgy, how... Oh, Dudgy slid straight into my messages after the news come out today. <laughs> Actually, she slid in yesterday. When we put the post up saying, these are our two guests, what's your questions? Dudgy was like, are we going for a beer after the game, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Not even for our we guests. Even, I know, I didn't even like the post. Straight in with a comment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So as you all know, we did post on our socials this week. We are being joined by the very Louise Dalgleish. Now, have I said that properly? You have. Brilliant. Have I correctly, yeah? Yeah, great. And um, as some of you may know, she's a former Scotland player, Scrum Half, and uh, she now uh, looks at new prospects being the attacking coach of Japan. We'd like to give you a very warm welcome onto the podcast tonight. Thank you very much for having me. We are a bit prepared for, for your visit with us today. Um, bear with us, because without Phil's here, <laughs> we do lack <laughs> sometimes. But we, we'll go with it, and then we just want to make it as relaxed as possible so you can just share some of your stories with us. Yeah, so like Laurie said, um, we're like the work experience girls and, and Phil is off tonight, so you've got us. So we apologise in advance. But um, it's great to see you. So you flew in uh, overnight on the 30th. You landed on Sunday the 31st. So you got to experience Cardiff for the Halloween. How was that? It was relatively tame, actually. I mean, in fairness, we were on a bus, flew into Heathrow uh, on the bus there, uh, on the bus from there. The worst thing was probably the wind. Like the bus was doing the proper, like shaking on the way here kind of trees getting blown across the off, across the road so it's like lovely UK autumn weather that we arrived to yeah welcome girls <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh before we jump into your role with Japan um let's share with our listeners your background obviously Laurie and I have had the pleasure of playing against you but um let's take you right back and tell us your journey into rugby I think I probably started at like early secondary school I um, picked up a ball. There was some like, I think it was New Image Rugby was the thing at the time. So it was a kind of variation of touch or tag or whatever it was. So did the whole like inter-house school competition, chucked the ball about a little bit. And some of the boys were like, oh, you can do that. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, but nothing else to do at that point. No girls teams at, uh, at that stage in Hoyk. And then a few years later there was. So kind of hooked up with was the kind of junior section of Hoyk ladies, rattled through with them for a few years. Um, probably played senior rugby when I was about 15 which I don't think is allowed mm. now but just that way we are probably less regulations at that point Oh you um, were that good? No I don't think it was that good I just <laughs> think that's nobody cared like oh, she, she can catch a ball she can win a pitch I think she can tackle um, so yeah I was playing 
uh, playing senior rugby like 15, 16 and then yeah kind of went on to uni kept going through that and club rugby in Edinburgh and obviously Scotland stuff kind of came in around about university time or end of uni time actually and managed to hang about in the international scene for a wee while <laughs> a wee while a wee, wee while yeah 67 caps later is it and uh, you've put your stamp on it so we know that you um, predominantly played a scrum half yeah. uh, you did but to be fair I think you've covered most positions in the back line but was nine your absolute favourite or were you put there? I think it probably oh, it was my favourite. Like, I mean, let's be honest, how you can't get closer to refs, shout at other people, slap your forwards <laughs> in a little bit if they're not doing what they're supposed to be if you're any further away. So, yeah, I think nine did end up being my favourite. Um, but no, I enjoyed, enjoyed getting around about like 10 or even 12, I think, got a little bit more freedom. Although... Mm-hmm. Probably wasn't, I don't know, probably wasn't kind of strong enough to be a decent carrier at 12. Probably wasn't clever enough to play 10 that often. So, yeah, just stick the yappy one at nine and leave her there, I think, was how it worked out. So when was your last game? Uh, Actually against Wales in Cardiff in the 2014 Six Nations was my final cap. Ah, so loads, you would have been in that one. Yeah, but like I say, (laughs) fail to remember who I played with, let alone who I played (laughs) against. Especially 2014, that was a wild one because it was just before the before the World Cup mm. in France. Yeah. So we know you also went to that um, 2010 World Cup. You know, you were unlucky to miss one World Cup, but um, you know, how are the camp feeling now? And you, as a former player, that you know, last month the Scottish result, how incredible was that I to think- qualify? Yeah, I mean, seeing the reaction of the players immediately after the game, I think that was a, a, a probably total exhilaration, excitement, relief. Kind of, they've been up and down as as a lot of teams have, um, but to get that result to put them in that mix of going to that final qualifier to be that step closer to a World Cup when when Scotland haven't been there for well since 2010, it's 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 massive for that squad and so delighted for them. Um, some of the players in there, like somebody like Sarah Law, uh, I remember in in Spain when we didn't qualify through the the Euros in 2013, like sitting on the steps with her watching kind of Samoa and and Spain celebrate them their, their qualification and, mm. and telling Sarah Law it's like you'll get another chance at a World Cup, you'll get another chance at World Cup. So for players like her, it's it's massive. Uh, so yeah, totally totally thrilled for them and. They just need to kind of keep the head, get through whatever the world, the final qualifier yeah. is, and and hopefully should be should be in that world. They, they look to be in a good place, right? Yeah, they're looking they're looking good. I think in terms of the the challenges that they've come through, they've had a decent amount of time together, which in some ways, over the COVID kind of pandemics, probably it's maybe given Brian more access to the squad in some ways because they didn't, they had a big chunk of time where they weren't going out to clubs or, or going out to do anything else. So, you know, looking at the positives, they, yeah, looking pretty strong, looking pretty mm. organised in different places. Obviously, we've had some big news drop in Wales today. I'm sure you've caught up with get, it. I thought I would be getting ditched tonight. I genuinely thought <laughs> I was going to be getting a call being like, right, thanks, Louise, we'll see you next time. But actually, we've got bigger stuff to talk about now. We're not yeah. in your chat anymore. This, episode, this podcast episode is probably seven hours long. 
Vlory uh, <laughs> and I have, are we? Um, well, but we're all catching up on the weekend to talk about that, and we're so excited. Um, but, you know, what's your, not ambitions, that's the wrong word, but what do you want to see happen in Scotland rugby now? I think it needs, I suppose the big thing, it needs to keep moving because it's, and I, I say that I'm probably being, I'm being a little bit PC, but I think the, they've put some support in place for a lot of the players up there and they've been moving in different directions and they've been working through things and they've been trying to improve it. The domestic game in Scotland is still not where it needs to be. So I think if they are wanting to keep some of the best players in Scotland, there's probably some work to do up there with whether that aligns to Edinburgh Glasgow, whether that aligns to somebody else, whether that, whether that looks like more contracts or more kind of professionalism, I don't know, but the number in the the numbers in the girls game are really growing. So there's a huge amount of good work being done both by Scottish rugby and by some of the clubs uh, at some of that age group level. So I think when the quality of those players keeps coming through, we will see that kind of lasting improvement maybe in the in the club game. And then what does that support going forward? Is it regions? Is it something else that gives that next level? But in addition, we're probably still going to see a lot of players wanting to play in the Allianz Prem because of the level and because of the, the competitive nature of that league. So, yeah, we'll see. And like I say, it just needs to keep moving. I think the worst thing that any of the smaller nations can do is rest on what's happened or rest on their laurels because then other other nations will pass them or just stops that enthusiasm and, and stops that kind of progression for the players. I think Scotland and Wales are quite are quite similar in, in terms of what they've had to face recently. And um, as two nations, they've always had close encounters and gone toe-to-toe with it. But it's just hoping now that the other unions can see what the WRU are doing and hopefully bed in something uh, in their own right as well. Because, uh, well, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Italy at times, they are going to be left behind if they don't do something quickly, isn't it? I think they've almost gone, as from being kind of standing back from it all for a, a few years, you can almost see like, you know, Wales were in a really strong position, maybe a stronger position in Scotland and Ireland for a few years. And then they kind of dipped, Scotland fell behind, Scotland kind of picked up again, Ireland then went past everybody. It's been that they kind of, I, they need to learn from each other because of the size of the countries, because of the player numbers, because of all of that, how much can they yeah, take from what other people are doing? put the right things in place for for their countries, for what's needed at any point and, yeah, make sure that we don't fall further or we, nobody falls behind again because I think it's all got to keep shifting in the same direction and I think some of the smaller countries can kind of help each other with, with that. I think that's Bob on, yeah, help each other. Based on the news that has dropped today, um, with uh, some contracts being uh, given out, would you uh, consider going back to play? If that was a situation um, lined up for Scotland rugby, I couldn't. There's no way I could keep up. Absolutely no danger. Well, the thought of going back on a rugby field gives me shivers. It's the physicality now. <laughs> I just like getting hit by anybody. It was bad enough getting hit by you, you guys when I was playing. Nah, I just I don't think so. No. Too it's bad enough holding a pad in training, right? I don't even do that. Like, <laughs> I just kind of. <laughs> Dance about at the side with my shorts on, just being like, yeah, staying out of the way of, of too many people. Yeah, there's been lots of messages flying about saying, oh, I might get my boots back on. No, there's changes coming. Okay, so that's the nicey nicey's done. 
that's us looking at you in the Scottish capacity. So let's turn our focus to the weekend. This is where we turn kind of enemies now. What are you bringing? (laughs) Before we get into the the actual match, (laughs) before we get into the actual match, um, how the hell did you end up in Japan? Got on a plane. (laughs) (laughs) No, Um, I just obviously I say obviously I I left when I stopped playing rugby. Kind of was still teaching as a career, was doing a little bit more coaching, started doing the kind of coaching qualifications, yada yada, same route that people, some people take. Got involved with the um, our, I suppose, age grade, age grade stuff with the women's game in Scotland, so Scottish Futures. And, and through that was getting good opportunities in terms of good CPD. And one of those opportunities took me to Stellenbosch in 2019 for a kind of high performance, a world rugby high performance academy for female coaches and the different connections and kind of met Leslie McKenzie across there, who's obviously our head coach, kind of stayed in touch with with various people across the group, online sessions over Zoom, over, over COVID. And yeah, just as things were moving on, there was discussion about interns, there was discussion about different coaching roles and, and this opportunity kind of presented itself. So had to make a decision and ultimately it, it probably came at probably came at good, quite a good time for me personally kind of change of circumstances whatever else so yeah took took the chance to get myself across here and when was that it came over in august so a couple of weeks of quarantine and then straight into a first training camp mid-august wow i'm back again i know i know <laughs> Told my told my mum I wouldn't see her for years and and all of a sudden I'm like oh yeah hi mum yeah I'm, I'm coming back to the UK I'll see you <laughs> yeah. and the fact that we're playing Scotland as well so yeah so we'll come on to that in a sec but um so you play in the mighty Wales on the weekend so what can we expect from your uh, Japanese team well I mean obviously we've been working hard in training we've been so basically Gemma's <laughs> asking all your moves. <laughs> Every call you've got, uh, we do, how do Wales defend against it? Uh, you can play tight or you play in a wide game. Uh... How do you think we should play, Gemma? What, what should we go for? Um, try uh, forward passing and um, let the goalie make all the decisions. Right. And I'll pass yeah. that on. Back, back chat the ref a lot. A lot, yeah, they like to hire. 10 minutes. I'll, yeah. I'll, what I'll do is I'll make sure that I pass on some really high quality English uh, phrases to some of our some of our players just to make sure they get the tone right, just to be really kind of yeah get my angry Scottishness across to the Japanese players and make sure they. <laughs> that yeah. I was going to touch on that a little later. I was like, how has the uh, language barrier been for you? It's really interesting, and I think completely out of my comfort zone because I've been a little homebody and stayed in Scotland my entire existence. So then going to a non-English speaking country was, I think, wow, that's a leap. Even being out and about in in Kumagaya, where I live, to start with, and not being able to communicate properly with anybody, um, apart from Leslie, was was interesting. But I think, yeah, from a from a coaching point of view, it's a challenge for me because I like to talk. I use far too many words. I love like <laughs> questions and discussion, and all of a sudden, some of that's just been taken, I taken away because I in terms of when on field and in meetings and stuff like that, obviously work through translators or like other members of the 
um, the management team or the coaching team who are fluent in both English and Japanese, they, they do a lot of our translation. So really challenges me to be direct, to be clear with my point and to be, yeah, kind of deliver message as well, which you've probably already worked out in the last five minutes since you've been talking to me. I can take a while to get to a point. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's, that, it's hard to sharpen your communication skills. Oh, definitely. Somewhat. I think... Either, but I mean, in fairness, the translators like Wataru and, and Sho, who are probably doing some of that for me, I think they just cut out the bits of information. The waffle. They, yeah, they just cut out the shit <laughs> and like, pass the proper message to the players. Yeah. Well, we'll come back to the game, but tell us a bit more about Japan rugby and like, what's the setup over there? In terms of a club game or, or just... The is, is the clubs, is the university, is a regional kind of setup? It's... In, in the club 15 stuff is... There's not there's not a huge number of clubs. The level of of fifteen aside club competition is is not essentially that established in Japan, and that's there's been a lot of sevens background for mm-hmm. some of the players. Um, although a lot of them have maybe played for a long time, the quality of that domestic competition is is still something that's that's growing and that needs to kind of improve and keep developing to kind of add add value to I suppose what. The, the players so that when they're coming into kind of an international camp there's less of a kind of less of a jump which again speaking about Scotland or Wales or whatever earlier it's it's not dissimilar to the the kind of change in level that's needed Is that a bit of a, like a legacy issue these clubs just haven't existed as long? To be honest I don't know like I don't know enough about um, the club game I've not had the chance to be out and about much to, to meet some of the kind of club coaches and to be out in the different environments so I don't necessarily think it's the length of time they've been established I think just their focus has often been directed mm. to be on sevens or has yeah. been on sevens um, which you know they're strong in and they've done well in so kind of getting that shift to 15s is it's just not it's just not as established um, there's not as much investment it's not like we're looking at the the men's top league and and what happens there. It's not like there's anything comparable in the women's game. Oh, Phil would be gutted now and she an opportunity to talk sevens. She'd be all over this by you now. <laughs> you got Lori instead. Let's talk about the scrum. <laughs> we uh we, we do know a little bit about Jim because they were um playing Wales back in 2017 and they actually got a very good result. And you could tell uh, based on their player profiles and that that they do have a lot of sounds background. So is that something uh, we can still expect for Sunday? Is that very athletic outlook and uh, like to spread the ball wide and things? I mean, yeah, the, in terms of the attack and the, the, the speed speed of play, it's something that's typically Japanese, isn't it? So it's, mm-hmm. you know, that's, I'd say it's in the DNA. It's not going to get taken away. Um, but I think in terms of the work we're doing and what we're trying to encourage is is just developing in lots of areas of the game and and just trying to add to the the what the players are capable of what they're confident in and just keep building that all-round game so that it's not just yeah it's not just one one way of playing and getting them comfortable in in lots of lots of areas of the game so what's better your line out or your scrum Laurie and I are going to be there on Sunday. I was super excited for this match. Uh, so who are the ones to look out for on the Japanese team? Who really excites you that you get to see on the weekend? I'm not asking favourites, <laughs> but like what out-and-out talent is it that we should keep an eye on? Coaches don't have favourites. Um, <laughs> in fairness, I think that's a lie. <laughs> what, the coaches don't have favourites? 
Yeah. That's a lie. <laughs> yeah. The, um, there's a lot of them. There's I I would be I'd, yeah, I'm not gonna single anybody out just now because I think there's a lot of quality in terms of the different skill sets that we bring and just looking at, at what some of the players can do. Oh, you know, she's confident those. Whoever, whoever we let loose. Whoever we let loose. So <laughs> you can tell me who's impressed you after Sunday. I'll tell you in the bar Sunday afternoon. So speaking of the players then, um, how are they kind of adapting to being in, in our country? And, you know, because it's always when we went to, you know, France and Italy, I know it's not the same, but, you know, the food was always questionable, wasn't it? And lifestyle is obviously different. How are they getting on? Hi, they're all right, actually. They're such a good group. Like they're, I think they're managing, they're, they're, getting, they're getting on with it. The first couple of days, obviously, like kind of travelling overnight, jet lag, time difference, all the rest of it. Some pretty tired, uh, pretty tired people, including actually that was just us. But um, the couple of days on the field, just getting a bit of energy back about them. Mm. The food's been, yeah, you just miss the home comforts, don't you? So this is the first first time some of them have maybe been away for mm. any length of time. Um, and we're only on day, you know, day four or five and we're away for about a month. So three weeks even but mm-hmm. uh, keeping them going I think most of them are dealing with it pretty well at the moment though and they're they're a, like I say they're a good bunch they're supporting each other so that's nice to see that's cool so you got some downtime now and they're all in their rooms yeah they should all hopefully be resting up sleeping recovering doing all the kind of things that you're supposed to do mm. probably actually all <laughs> sitting in somebody else's room chatting yeah I get about the Scottish team is the same you know during these downtimes, you're all supposed to be chilling in your room and do that, but you're all in one person's room and you're all gossiping and drinking tea and, you know, eating biscuits, some of us. Tanning. I remember. <laughs> tanning. Um, tanning, yeah. I remember one of our first, I can't even remember, it was like Katie Davies, one of my Scotland teammates, it was a few of us, it was maybe a Euros in France or something like early on. And uh, we didn't quite get used to this whole, like, you met a rest in the afternoon. So we'd taken like a dance mat that you, it was one of the old ones that you, you plugged into the back of your TV or something. So we were just like doing the dance mat stuff. And then Miriam, who's a physio at the time, came past the door and she was literally like, get off your feet. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Didn't think it was an issue. Yeah. It was always different kind of rooms, wasn't it? It was like the everyone laying down with leggings on kind of room. It was like the tea club room and there was like the young, gossipy, excitable room. Yeah. And then the grumpy room with <laughs> all the older ones were in. Yeah. You pointed out those. <laughs> Who's, I was going to say, which one were you in? There's no fun there. We were in the cool room. We had the back of the bus gang. So, I did Kath Edwards, yeah. Trito, Kat Nicholas Prosser. It was yeah. a good room. Yeah, I forced myself up there <laughs> with Izzy. I did just want to ask, actually, because it, it was um, something that I've been asked to um, check up on tonight as well, is um, obviously you've done a big move by uh, heading up to Japan, but do you think you'll ever have any you know, future ambitions to come back and coach in Scotland? Head coach? Oh, who knows? Um, I think it's one of these, after this experience and being full-time in rugby in a, in a coaching job, I'll probably find out quite a lot about myself, about my ability about what what it actually feels like to be in a job like that and so yeah then after that I might I don't know I might not want to stay in coaching <laughs> we'll see but um oh no I, I'm not gonna we'd, we'd never rule out going going back to Scotland or seeing what other opportunities come up in other other parts of the world as well 
because as we're saying, like there's loads of progress, there's loads of growth in the game in different areas. So, you know, who knows what will happen next? Yeah. There's so many opportunities for women in rugby now, and it? it's incredible. So who knows where you end up? We'll be on the pod in 10 years' time and you'll be heading up Scotland rugby. That'll be awesome. Okay, so I've had some questions come in uh, in our DMs. So Lee has asked on Twitter, what's hardest? Is it playing or coaching? Coaching. Yeah? Because you can't really control certain things that happen. I mean, that's maybe because I'm a control freak, but that way where there's lots of things, at least to play in, you're in charge of what happens on field. Like you totally, you make the decisions. Yeah, I'd say coaching's harder. You're uh, definitely coaching. Yeah, coaching is really hard, just in itself, let alone watching the girls on the pitch. Yeah. Like that they've taken maybe the wrong decision or a decision that you might not have made yourself. How do you not lose your rag, as they say in Wales? How would you um, convey that to the players if you weren't as satisfied, perhaps? I think, uh, is it a wrong decision? It's that whole like, no decision's worse than. Uh, probably the worst situation you can be in. So okay, I, I want players to take the chances. I want players to be able to to see what's in front of them and, and take risks if they need to. And ultimately, if it doesn't work out and they can say, well, I did it because of this and this and this is what I saw, then I'm not I'm not going to fault them for that. So I probably might be internally like really upset, but I would definitely do the right thing and definitely ask the right, the right questions of the players. <laughs> Well, we'll so if something happens on uh, Sunday, Sunday, yeah. If, if, if yeah, if something happens on Sunday, I'm not going to pop up looking at the stands and see you ripping your hair out or anything like that. Well, I'll be I'll be hiding under the table, but no. <laughs> we'll be laughing at you from it. stands now, throwing bottles and kicking off. Kicking things, yeah, that's yeah, proper angry, angry scrum half behaviour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So Fionn asked as well when you were playing for Scotland, who was the best player you played it with and the best player you played against best player I played with probably Donna Kennedy's got to be in there just purely for quality what she her attitude in a Scotland jersey just like everything that she brought to the team um, and for those and then, who don't know Donna Kennedy was number eight right yeah 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 legend, legend of the game yeah. obviously came out of retirement uh, came to the Twitter. Yeah, she was just she's just immense and and a, and obviously good crack off the pitch as well. So yeah. best player I played against. It's <laughs> a hard one. Um, this is hard. See now I'm like, <laughs> do I say somebody Welsh or do I? <laughs> <laughs> See, I was we played. No in the two, I know 2006 World Cup. Scotland played New Zealand and obviously got a um, a run out against the Black Ferns, which doesn't happen often so I think am I going to say it I, yeah you know what? I can't I don't think I can single anybody out there's just like too many too many good players over the years mm-hmm. and I've probably had too many head knocks to remember what's on the, oh, the best like that as well. <laughs> okay so let's not say the best player you've played against but who across your international career when you when you look at other teams you've played who are the kind of maybe the, the standout players I really liked um, Estelle, who used to play 10 for France. She's just like real kind of knew the game, played it really well. Um, but looking across, obviously, some of the England players, like likes of Maggie and 
people like that who have just been such kind of, you know, we played England at Twickenham one year and they'd put uh, Maggie on the bench and they were absolutely annihilating us. And then we looked up and Maggie's about to come on the pitch. Oh, like, yeah. they didn't need to do that, but they did. So, yeah, getting in a situation like that. So, yeah, I think there's a, a couple of players that have really, uh, really stepped, well, world-class in, in terms of what, what they've done in the game. Yeah. Um, and last question is actually from me. What is your uh, most proudest moment in a Scottish shirt? Probably, I think my 50th cap against England at last week actually is just, yeah, it's maybe a bit of a cliched one to pick, but just because there was so many um, kind of family, friends there, everything, it's just one of those nights that getting to lead the team out, turn mm-hmm. around, you know, see people there and just connecting that emotion to you know, what you've maybe get into that kind of landmark, you know, milestone in, in a, a rugby career and thinking about everything that's kind of happened up until that point. So, yeah, I think standing and singing the anthems on the on the night of my 50th cap was probably um, special, yeah, a big one. Yeah. And it is a milestone, particularly in women's rugby, where, you know, you don't get the amount of games, you know, that the, uh, the men's season allows. So it's harder to achieve those kind of numbers. So... Yeah, I can appreciate I mean, that one. That's and even even now when you're looking, I know there was a bit of chat about it prior to England New Zealand at the weekend, but you look at players whose careers have spanned so many years in certain countries and certain nations where they've not had those regular tests and you know some massive standouts in the game, and then you know and no disrespect to the number of, of caps that some of the particularly England players, for example, have got now, but they've they've been able to accumulate those caps much more quickly Um, doesn't make them mean any less obviously but just Mm. in comparison to countries you know like like New Zealand or some of the other um, nations that don't play so many yeah it was New Zealand's 100th game right but then there's a player on the England team that had like 108 caps yeah unbelievable so yeah it's pretty crazy when you think about it like that and it just you know every cap is special for every person whether that whether you're Kind of whether it's playing 100 caps for England or 25 for New Zealand or Canada or, or somewhere like that. So, um, yeah. Mm. Brilliant. So, Wales are your first game this Sunday. So, what's the rest of the, the tour looking like for you? So, uh, Wales on Sunday, then straight up the road to Scotland Monday morning and play Scotland at the Dam Health Stadium in Edinburgh on the 14th and then leave Scotland the day after that and then head across to play Ireland on the Saturday, the following Saturday, so that's the 20th November that we're over there for the Ireland game. So that's a, that's yeah. a great tour for you guys. Brilliant. I mean, mm. in terms of the, the kind of quality of, you know, facing Six Nations teams and just getting a really good kind of level of competition to to upper, to kind of upper game to, to challenge us and to kind of prove the hard work that we've been doing and just show what that's going to look like and and obviously learn from those experiences at the same time, but very much kind of, yeah, going out there to going out there to win games. Yeah. And what a homecoming is going to be coming back to, to Scotland. Back to Sunday, with Scotland. Japanese team. I know. I'm not even sure I'm going to be allowed to talk to that many people or go and see anybody. I'll be waving at friends over the over the fence because of COVID bubbles and kind of yeah. and all the rest of it but now it'll be nice and the fact that the game's in Edinburgh as well rather than Glasgow um, which is a bit of a change a change for them so it'll be Scotland's first game at that stadium as well 
that's going to be their new home, right? Um, I'm not sure. I, I definitely was the. I think because COP26 is on in Glasgow, there was the whole like oh, right. the logistical situation. So I, I don't know if they're if they're if they're planning to change that from Scotland longer term or not. But uh, definitely this game's there. So looking forward to to being in the essentially my home city. So that'd be nice. Yeah. Well, Louise, we we wish you all the best for the rest of your tour, but not the first game. Obviously, but um, we can't wait to see you. Finally, there's some international rugby we can all get and watch. It's so exciting. And uh, we'll see you Sunday at the Cardiff Farms Park. Look forward to it. And you can tell me after the game whether the scrum or line out's better. <laughs> oh, yeah. she'll have plenty to say. Yeah. What uh, What are you drinking, Louise? Because I heard her let's buy in as well. So Excellent. We'll get the order in early. She's in a bubble. I can't buy anybody a drink in a bubble. <laughs> send, the, send the bottles of champagne to the changing rooms. I'm sure. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, what a beer. I'm, I'd be happy with either. I'm not. I'm not that fussy. <laughs> Brilliant. That's awesome. Thanks so much for giving us your time. We know you're busy. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. It was good to chat, and I'm sure I'll look forward to listening to all the positive chat about the contracts and uh, and everything that kind of happens in. Welsh rugby from now. Yeah, good stuff. Cheers, Louise. Hey, hey, and listen, when we do um interview you again, interview, we have a chat with you again in a 10 years' time when you're coaching Scotland or New Zealand or wherever, we'll be better as well. <laughs> Such a car crash. It's all we can do, it's all we could ask for. We all I just don't know if we will. <laughs> Brilliant. Go enjoy the rest of your night. Well, enjoy you. Cardiff. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Okay, so I'm very pleased to say that we have history-making, trailblazer, first professional captain of Welsh women's rugby, Sioan Lillycrap. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks, Phil. I don't think I've ever had an introduction like that before. You're making me blush, Phil. <laughs> well, hey, you're going to have to get used to this title now. I'd be putting it down every time I book a taxi, I'm booking a restaurant. Just by the way, you know, professional full-time rugby player here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? No, no problems in getting taxis or table bookings in, uh, in places. <laughs> yeah, nights out, I'm with you, mate. We yeah. are huge jumping. <laughs> All right. Hey, no. <laughs> no, it's brilliant. Thank you so much for giving us uh, your time. I can only imagine how much you've been inundated this week. Um, we've got so much to talk about. Uh, initially, just wanted to get you on the pod to talk about, you know, Japan, new coaching. But wow, let's just go with the breaking news to start. Full-time professional contracts. Oh, my days. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Yeah, so super exciting. You know, we've known as players for, for some time now in the background um, that this was going to happen, but how, how it looked was the bit that we've been been working on and, and making sure, obviously, then from the WRU's perspective that it, it's possible that it worked before. Um, we press launched yesterday, which was an exciting day, and, um, you know, the media and everyone, to be honest, uh, further than just Wales have, have got behind it and uh, I really welcomed the news and have been super positive about it. So, uh, yeah, the last 24 hours or so have been, you know, positive, excited, um, exciting. And, uh, yeah, it's nice to talk about some good news and um, the girls are buzzing, you know, and I, I've even felt it in camp the last three, four weeks, really, that, 
it spurred us on even more so because, as I said, the, the way in this way this has been done, um, but also we've known about it for uh, three weeks or so of uh, how it was going to look because we, we agreed it as a, as a player group. Um, but it's just settled any kind of uncertainty or worry, I think, and the vibes in camp, the culture, and um, everyone's enjoying each other's company and, you know, pushing each other uh, on the training field as well. And, um, yeah, I've been in, loving everything to do with it, really, on the park and off the park in the girls' environment. So it, it's, it's good. It's all good, positive. Oh, amazing. So you just mentioned then how it, you've known about it past couple of weeks and you guys were heavily involved in sort of finalising the detail. Can you give us a bit more insight into, you know, what's, what's that mean? Yeah, so, um, you know, Nigel essentially didn't start until, until September. So um, obviously the independent review was conducted and there was a list of recommendations there. And, and as, I, as Nigel uh, said in the press conference yesterday, in the press release, that you know, they're working their way through those recommendations essentially and implementing them. And this is one bit of that implementation. So you know, to be fair, Nigel, we were, had some training days in August um, and before he even started, he was at all those training sessions, observing, chatting to us as players um, and being in and around the environment and picking up conversations um, and doing his research pre-starting. Um, and then, you know, he came to us with, with a model. We discussed it as a leadership group um, and a player group then as a whole. And we actually went back to to Nigel and management and said, look, we actually think there's a different model that would suit us best, um, slight tweaks to it, and was completely open to it, essentially. It was like, yeah, okay, but what, what I need is for the full squad to buy into this. And um, so we delivered from feedback from the girls back to the full squad and unanimously the squad agreed this was the best way forward for us for the next 12 months over how these contracts essentially look for us to get the best out of uh, us as a squad, um, to give 10 players an opportunity to be professional um, and they can raise the standards um, for, for the rest of the squad, but also, you know, do those tasks really that maybe people will be working part-time and stuff wouldn't necessarily be able to do. And we felt like it was important that that middle tier, that kind of retainer, semi-pro uh, one, was worded as a retainer because everyone's circumstance is different. So some people might drop part-time, some people might drop a day or everyone might change it based on their circumstances. It's just as important as that, as that top tier because um, the thing that we've lacked is rest and recovery and being able mm-hmm. to, you know, recover, get our feet up, get in the pool um, review games and all that type of stuff to, to actually take us to the next level. Um, yeah. So, it was unanimous and to be honest I didn't expect it to be unanimous I thought maybe you know in in any environment you have people with different opinions but I think the model suits us and everyone's in agreement over what we want that it was completely unanimous no one no one in that room stood up and said no I, I disagree I think we should look at this so um yeah it's a huge step forward for us and you know then obviously we fed back to Nigel and he was like great leave it with me I'll obviously sort it out with um all those apartments within WIU, legal and HR and everything. And this is where we are now today that it's been launched officially and we're in the second stage now of uh, uh, criteria being set and I guess um, management and coaches picking, picking their players for categories. 
So yes, quite thin. Yeah. So when will these um, contractors be implemented? When would sort of day one of professionalism for you begin? The desire is first uh, of January. Oh, okay. So things are going to move pretty fast. Is is the hope? Um, you know, obviously there's a criteria and conversations that need need to happen, and then individuals will have different work situations and mm. also a bit of a an advisory time. You know, someone might get offered a full time contract, but might not want it so it might be a case of they then drop down to the middle one uh the retainer contract and that might free up another contract so um yeah it's it's quite a bit of stuff to do in the next two months but the desire is by january you know these will be in place so we can really kick on the next nine to ten months then ahead of ahead of the world cup Mm -hmm. yeah i guess it is that kind of a strange situation and some people might be like well why would you not accept a full-time contract you know but the reality is obviously there are some women in that squad that have worked incredibly hard to balance their rugby and their careers and have maybe progressed with their careers that might not be in a position to be able to accept that contract but well it'll be interesting I guess only time will tell who will be accepting those and where we go from there but yeah absolutely brilliant news super exciting yeah, and I think the other good thing on that, you know, it, it will be a tough decision for some people potentially, but um, we will have performance lifestyle support as well to sit down and work through that option over how it affects you as an individual and, mm-hmm. you know, how it will maybe impact on life post-rugby and just making mm-hmm. the right decisions based on each individual. And that that's super important, really, because... We wouldn't want anyone to make a rash decision and then it not be the right decision for them financially or, you know, for their careers post-rugby either. Because, you know, even in the men's game, we see, we see it now, isn't it? Injury or anything can happen in, in a blink of an eye. And, you know, I think careers alongside playing is, is also super important, even if you are professional too. Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I agree brilliant okay well that was the first tiny bit of news just tiny little thing Um, but then I also want to touch on the fact that we got hinted at age grade is coming back so under 18s and under 20s absolutely incredible and I was trying to rack my brains did you come through the under 20s pathway no you didn't interesting yeah okay no unfortunately didn't but I was really new to rugby at a late date. I didn't start playing until after my 17th birthday. I know most maybe girls did back then, but like mm. probably played kind of recreationally until um, regions were formed. And that was the first mm-hmm. time I then played was when regions were formed and I actually played in the centre for the first kind of three, four years. Did you? <laughs> somehow I played in the centre best decision I did was move to the back row obviously <laughs> oh funny oh okay so your regional was really your pathway then yeah 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 that's how it started off was regional for me and then mm-hmm. um moved into kind of a Wales extended squad after that mm-hmm. I was part of the extended squad you know for I think it was it was either three seasons or four seasons mm-hmm. from about 2012 uh yeah 2012 until 2016 when I had my first cap so mm-hmm. yeah but there was never like an A squad or anything it was it just an extended squad was the kind of status on it okay and yeah. I know nothing's been said about a development or an A team Wales has there been any discussions or do we not know anything about that yet 
I'm not, I'm not sure about that, but, you know, as you said, the positive news in, in Niger, uh, recognising the return of pathways and yeah. that's kind of next thing on, on, on the agenda. And mm-hmm. um, I think you alluded to a couple of appointments that are going to take place in, in that arena, which is, you know, super exciting because, you know, what, what we do see around Wales at the moment is lots of girls playing rugby and enjoying playing rugby in, in our hubs and clubs. Um there's a there's a next step for them now, which is super yep. important. And you know, I was actually yesterday whilst we were training last night at Cardiff Farms Park in our home and um whilst obviously the press launch happened yesterday afternoon and I was out on the pitch side a little bit early and there was a skill set centre in Cardiff Farms Park and there had to be, you know, forty odd girls, at least I would actually say forty odd girls there, you know and I would say a good solid training session and the skills that are on display were brilliant. And that's just in Cardiff region, you know, so that was, yeah. you know, I, I really enjoyed actually being able to see that underway and in Cardiff Arms Park where we, where we play in our home and loads of girls really taking rugby to the next level, you know, the level above club essentially, mm-hmm. which was really good to see. Yeah, yeah. And um, in regards to the new squad this season, there's six uncapped players and a couple of them, you know, we didn't, we didn't even know their, their names, where they were from. Someone came through from the Talent ID Day. Can you tell us a little bit more about the new players we might see? Yeah, so we've got six uh, uncapped players in the squad, but two girls newly um, announced in the squad announcement came through the Talent ID Days that you put on, um, I believe in September, there was one and one in October um, up in North Wales. Mm-hmm. So uh, Leanne and Liliana uh, both come through there. So Leanne plays Ponteclean and Liliana Sandaf North. Um, I actually remember Liliana for, from a few years ago. She played for Emerging Wales and she came into senior squad for a couple of training sessions. I think it was in her first year at like Cardiff Uni at that time. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's really good to see her come through. Um, and, you know, she's really shining and training and, you know, she's learning lots and I think she's enjoying the environment. Uh, and Leanne, similarly, I, I, I play club rugby against Leanne a, f- a fair few times. She's been on, on the scene for a few years. I believe she's played for Pencoid, actually, before she moved to, to Ponteclean a few seasons ago. And she's a good little player. And i seen her play, actually, first game of the season for Ponteclean against Bourne of Mine when I went to watch that game. And she's shone in that game as well. So, um, yeah, it's good to have a couple of fresh faces in the squad. And then we've got uh, Flo, Jade, Kat and Maddie, who have been in the environments, uh, either Six Nations squad or a couple of development players last year or in the Sevens squads. Uh, Jade and um, Kat played Sevens this year for, for Wales and on the Euro legs we went on. So, you know, it's, it's always nice to see fresh faces and fresh energy in the squad and they all bring uh, their own little bit of character and stamp to the team. And I think they're all settled in really well, actually. You know, I think what's so nice at the moment, vibes are so good and uh, I think everyone's enjoying each other's company and yeah. um, being in and around the environment. Oh, that's amazing. Gosh, I can't even imagine, like, the new girls that have come through from the Talent ID days. What were their names again, you said? Liliana and Leanne, both L's actually, yeah. Liliana and Leanne. You know, middle of the summer, did they even have aspirations well? Did they see that pop? Did they know how they were going to get there? Now, not only are they there, they're potentially on the verge of professional contracts. 
Talk about yeah. changing your life in six months. I mean, that's just brilliant, isn't it? It's just yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Just like in a whirlwind, yeah. exciting time for them. You know, they can, you know, they've they've gone to they've taken their opportunity, gone to the talent ID day. They've had a squad announcement, and now everything that else is happening mm. around them as well is is super exciting. So yeah, it's uh, Yes, exciting, isn't it? It is. And um, we're talking about fresh faces, but we've also got a fresh training venue. So moved from the Centre of Excellence, which is based up in the Vale, and you're now down at Cardiff Farms Park. Am I right in thinking you kind of, because um, people who don't know, Cardiff Farms Park and the Principality Stadium are actually linked, so you can sort of walk through. Um, do you sort of do that? Are you using facilities within the Principality Stadium? How's, how's it all looking? How's that work? Yeah, that's right. So um, essentially the back end of the stadium. Um, so we park at the stadium essentially and there's a door which you know, takes us basically to the end near us, uh, um, Cardiff Arms Park. Um, and then we go up and we're in the stadium and we've got four rooms there, essentially. One one is now a gym kind of team room with a coffee machine and you know, snacks. and got uh, to yeah, be most, most important. important. <laughs> I would say that's the most important thing in the whole facility, the coffee machine. The coffee machine. Is it good coffee? Yeah, it's good. It is good. It's pot, so it's, uh, yeah, it is, it is decent coffee, to be fair. It's not, it's not a jar coffee, so uh, yeah, it is, it is nice. Yeah. <laughs> we would have been having words otherwise. Been like, Did you put that in the contract agreement? Give yeah. us decent coffee. Coffee has got to be top of the list. So, uh, yeah. So we've got like a bit of a team room with sofas and tables and uh, the screen in there as well that, you know, we can put stuff on um, for analysis. And then uh, we've got kind of an analysis room, stroke dining room. So there's tables in there so we can eat in there, but also our big screen for uh, previews, reviews and stuff like that and team meetings. And then we've got our medical room then at the end, just before we go down to the pitch, which, yeah, it's a couple of beds in and this is a big enough space. And then literally we're down a set of stairs and 50 steps or less than that, like 30 yards and we're, we're on Cardiff Park. So it's literally as close as you can get. So yeah, it's perfect really for us. And the bonus is that obviously we play all of our home games at Cardiff Park. So to be able to train at the venue we play at is a huge bonus, I think, in performance. Like mm. we trained, um, it must have been Sunday and there was... It was a bit of a swirling wind there, you know, and mm -hmm. I think the type of venue that it is in, in opening the corners mm -hmm. is quite a unique venue and loads of different conditions. So to be able to train there and get used to it, I think is, a, is going to be a, a huge bonus from our performance perspective as well. Mm, yeah, I always used to wonder because, you know, we don't get that many internationals a year and would it really feel like a home ground to you when you only just go there for two or three International. I was very lucky I was Cardiff Blues player so I very much had that sort of emotional attachment there but yeah I think it's absolutely brilliant really trying to hone it in and make it a fortress you know Welsh yeah. women's place to be that's oh, fantastic yeah. yeah it is and do you know what's nice is it's it's ours so and given Covid and everything right now you can feel like you can relax there and you know if you leave your boots there or whatever it's fine because you're going back there and no one else is there between you like little things like that it, it is ours to feel like our home and our, our place of work essentially now you know of uh, in, in the team room on the pitch and stuff like that it, it's you know with only people using it so you know that is a 
mm. that does feel like a bit of a bonus, especially in the current climate that we're, we're working in with COVID. Yeah, yeah, of course. Right, um, Japan this weekend. Uh, I've got a bit of an unknown uh, resource because you played against them, well, back in 2017. Dare yeah. say probably a lot of change of personnel and gosh, things have definitely changed for you guys. So what are you expecting? What do you think Japan are going to bring? It's going to be an interesting fixture and I, I think like we can't underestimate them at all. You know, our main conversations as a squad and focus is on us and improving performance. Um, obviously, we have reviewed, touched upon them over the games that they have played over over recent years. One thing's for certain, I, I almost think quite similar to the men, is they'll work really hard, try and force mistakes upon you and... Um, an attack then from from that mistake or from nothing essentially. Mm-hmm. So you know they they will basically run their socks off, put loads of pressure on us, and work real hard uh, to force errors. So and you know they will um, there'll be a fit side. Um, I think they'll look to to move the ball uh, a fair bit. Um, and I think we've just got to be smart and play our game and not uh, get caught up in, in their game, essentially. You know, if we, we try and do what they do, then it's going to be a tough day. So um, I think they're a good little side. You know, they're, they've they've always been a good side, actually. I remember playing them in 2017, and, and that was an uncapable training game. We played them in, in Ashtramanach, and mm-hmm. um, they were a good outfit. Uh, you know, they were powerful. They, they tried to... It was some physicality, but as I said, they, they punished us on, on our mistakes. So I think that's key for us is, is being clinical and sticking to our game plan and, and we'll be okay. But I'm excited to get back playing in Cardiff Arms Park. You know, we haven't had crowds since Six Nations 2020, which seems like ages ago now. Yeah. Uh, and we've made two Six Nations games this year. There's only one at home as well. So, you know, we haven't played much at home since... Uh, 18 months ago so yeah I'm looking forward to having that opportunity on Sunday and then having two great fixtures after that then to learn grow adapt and develop which is is great prep for us ahead of the year ahead yeah yeah absolutely so South Africa and Canada and all three of these teams are going to be at the World Cup in different pools so there is a chance obviously you're going to meet one another at some point so yeah fantastic way to sort of build through this autumn series and it's been announced as well that it's all these games are going to be covered uh, by the BBC either through uh, television or radio is that something you guys are aware of do you talk about that like is that on your radar yeah, absolutely. As was, uh, you know, we, we as players had a bit of a push this week in, in sharing the links of the tickets that were on sale for Cardiff Arms Park because, you know, we haven't played in front of a crowd for, for a long time and we didn't play our, our club game in front of a crowd last year either. So, you know, we're, we're buzzing to put on a show essentially, but also the crowd helps as a, as a 16th player and get behind us and, you know, support all the change that, the positive change that is happening. But on top of that, then, you know, we're aware that S4C are covering this week and, and I think it's BBC then against um, South Africa. Yep. So it's, yeah, it's, Scrum you know, it's brilliant. Yeah, Scrum 5, exactly. So it's so exciting. And, you know, what we want is viewing numbers to be up and, you know, people tune in and, and enjoy uh, rugby, but enjoy women's rugby as well and actually support it and see where we've we've hopefully come to. So, 
you know, I know there's loads of girls as well, like that haven't probably been able to see us play for, for some time that maybe can tune in as well and watch the game if you can't make it down to the stadium. So, you know, it's massive. I see in the, the figures that England had in their viewings uh, last Sunday, I think it was 700,000 they had watched that, but it was over 2 million views from the football game that was straight after it, the Women's Premier League game, watching women's sport in, in, a, in a four-hour window, essentially, which is, which is brilliant. You know, we went the same from, from our uh, fixtures in, in rugby or on women's sport across Wales as a whole. So hopefully the nation get behind us and, and tune in and enjoy the, the rugby that's being played. Yeah, well, there's definitely a buzz, isn't it? I mean, with the way that um, the Welsh women's football are doing so well as as well, it's definitely becoming on more people's radar. And yeah, I like the variety of the game slots as well. We've got a Saturday, we've got a Sunday, we've got an afternoon kickoff, an evening kickoff. So yeah, absolutely brilliant. Right, our podcasters have been in touch and they've been asking some questions. Been loads of them are saying they are going down, which is just fantastic. And um, yeah, actually keep letting us know. It is Twitter at the Back the Girls Pod, Instagram, Back the Girls Podcast. Let us know if you are going to be down there. But one of the questions that came in, Shuan, is if you could choose any other player in the world to play for Wales, who would you choose? Such a tough question. <laughs> on the spot. Yep. In the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is tough. That's a biggie. I know. Because I was thinking about this myself and I was like, oh, I just don't know. Did you did you get any answers in your did you No. <laughs> it is tough. That's it's a good but a good question, whoever put that in. Mm. There's a couple of players that jump out immediately as they're like Scars, Emily Scar at 13 for England, like mm. how many caps she's had, how she's transformed games for England, scored tries, whether that's, you know, kicking through a boot winning games or, or getting over that whitewash. You know, she she has been a standout player for England for, for many years, isn't it? And I, I know the worries that England had when she got injured, unfortunately, mm. uh, last month, but hopefully she's on the road to recovery now and uh, will be back playing for them in the in the new year. Um, so Emily Scarrett stands out. You know, mm. Portia Woodman, over oh. what she's achieved for New Zealand. Yeah. Um, and actually playing against Portia Woodman two weeks ago um, in, in a training game, albeit, you know, she was how many years has she been playing for New Zealand? Mm. And she was probably still their standout player. You know, she, really? one or two of her tries were, were outstanding. Just moments of absolute brilliance from, yeah. from the wing. Um, yeah. And then we've got, we've got Jazz Joyce, haven't we? So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that balances out a little bit. So, um, yeah, oh, that is such a tough question. Um, well, I think uh, Emily Scarrett is a good call. Yeah. I go with Emily Scarrett. Because yeah. how she's won England games from either Sarah Boot or getting over that whitewash, I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a good call there. Mm. And yeah, for people who don't know, you had that training session against New Zealand. Um, just very quickly, was it full contact? Was it a game? What, what was it? What happened? Yeah, yeah, we played a full game. Well, uh, two 30-minute halves, but, you know, mm-hmm. that was like no stoppages in that time, like refereed, uh ARs and everything so a proper game um, yeah went hell for leather basically for, <laughs> for 60 minutes and it was so good it was really good 
Um, you know, I think outsiders maybe looking at the score would be like, oh, it's a bit of a hiding. But, you know, as when I come off the field, Phil, I, I've just felt so content and satisfied because we put in a real good shift, created some real good opportunities um, and just felt a different level to where we were in April in the Six Nations. You know, that was, that was, that was tough. That was a, a low point. And then coming off against New Zealand, even though, yeah, we, we lost, we were in a different place from a performance perspective. So, um, and we don't bear in mind, we'd had one Wednesday training and one camp before that. And that was it. So, you know, we're going to, I was just excited to see the space where we're going to get to now with having more time together. Mm -hmm. Were you sore though the next day? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I was gonna say no, it's all right. No, yeah, I was. <laughs> yeah, it hurt. Yeah, it hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what you want, though, isn't it? You know, you put your body on the line. You, you know, you've left it all out there. If you're hurting the next day. Yeah, exactly. It's actually a good feeling, isn't it? You're like, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just not. Don't want to see you with that eye thing again that you had no. in the last Six Nations. Oh, geez, I couldn't stop staring at your eye, mate. It looks so painful. I yeah, <laughs> Did you not, you didn't fracture anything or it was just a good black eye? Yeah, cheekbone, I think. And I had two bangs at once, my cheekbone and my eye. That's why I looked so, but yeah, that season, Phil, I had like, I had a couple of mouth injuries as well. So my lips and I just had a batter into my face, but um, no more face batterings, please. <laughs> just don't touch the face. All right. I'm a professional contracted player. Do not touch my face. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> hopefully. Um, and just one more super quick because I am massively eating into your time uh, do you have a pre-match ritual um, I wouldn't say I have a huge ritual I know like I don't know if you remember this LMs used to always need a socks pre-game in the, in the hotel and used to put them on in the hotel and travel to, to the game in their socks so everyone else used to have theirs on their, on their like seat and bench LMs used to travel yeah. on the bus in the socks Oh. Yeah, I know, but it worked for LM because one player LM was. Um, so nothing like nothing like that. But I do kind of have um, like set meals which I will eat on, on game day. So I will always go kind of big breakfast, toast, egg, beans, everything to fuel up because I struggle then to eat throughout the, the day. And we'll just try and get a couple of pancakes and rice pudding down me in the pre-match meal, but I could never eat a meal pre-match. Um, always listen to music, get in my own zone on the bus. Don't like really conversations at that point. Once we leave the hotel and on the bus, I'm just kind of focused until we get out to, to kind of team warm up. And then, yeah, I guess I do have like favourite match day pants and underwear and stuff <laughs> you know that's a mess you don't want to have bad underwear on on the day so little things like that but no and I, I guess I listen to the same songs as well maybe I've got a playlist that mm -hmm. I listen to um so yeah just rituals or routines but I wouldn't say I'm not religious about anything in particular no just your favorite pair of pants just my favorite pair of pants yeah <laughs> no one can put a wedgie out all day. <laughs> all no one wants to see that because you know no. the going to get it. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant, mate. Well, look, uh, thank you so much for your time this evening. Pleasure. As we are professional uh, podcasters, I will simply say go well and may the best team win.
Thanks, Phil. Appreciate that. Will we be seeing you there? Absolutely. And I'm only joking. Smash them. Come on, Wales. <laughs> yes, Phil. <laughs> yeah. Get behind the girls. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, excited. Excited for it. And we just want to put on a good performance. Hopefully the result follows, you know, but that's our aim, I think, is putting a good performance, a step up from, from where we've been before and keep building throughout this campaign then. And enjoy. Yeah. Best things in happen. Best things in life happen when you've got a smile on your face. I truly believe that. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, thank you. All right, please do get in touch. Remember on Instagram, it is Back the Girls Podcast. On Twitter, it is Back the Girls Pod. And just because we love to keep it simple, on email, it is backthegirls.pod at hotmail.com. Thank you. Bye. 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 Love you. Bye. 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 Bye